Keegan and Company. It's Keegan and Company, the company you keep. That's it. That's got to be it. Welcome back to the Keegan and Company podcast. Before we kick things off, I do have another favor to ask. If you could all please just jump over, like, subscribe. And if you're not following us on on socials, follow us on Keegan and Company. Now, to get into it, uh, I'm sitting with one of my really good friends, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, (laughs) What an intro. Ryan James, how are you, brother? Brother. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Mate, where where did brother kick off from? Uh, I think it was when Mitch Rain came to the Gold Coast. Rain, Um, such a good bloke, such a um, good little competitor. He's back. He's back. Is he staying on the coast? Yeah, no, he just moved back and he's had his kid, so he's back on the Gold Coast. But um, yeah, he just kept saying brother and I think everyone just started saying brother. But yeah, no, that was a great intro. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You to say like I was, that's what I was telling you just before. I was like, I don't know how to like start these conversations. I was like, because I want to go through the rap sheet, like obviously like played professional rugby league, doing all like the study, but there's sometimes the list, like your list is too long. Like I was writing out your list, I was like, I'm not going to say that on the in the intro. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, w- I haven't really like reflected back on my career yet, and just because I just went straight from footy into study and just finished that. But yeah, I haven't really had time to sit down and process what I've done. But yeah, um, I like to think that I've done a lot. But um, yeah, let's chat about it. Let's. Um, I think probably a, a great way to start this off is probably if you could give us like a little snapshot of where you come from. Um, coming into the NRL, captaining the NRL, captaining the Gold Coast Titans, just like a brief snapshot of what it looks like. Because I know most people know who you are, but yeah. it's just for reference. Context. So, yeah, a quick overview. So I uh, grew up here in Blamble. I'm a proud Bunjalung man from Tweed Heads. Um, proud Aboriginal man. My mum's um, my Aboriginal side. So I grew up in Blamble Heights, played junior football for the Blamble Jets from under sevens to 17s. Um, and was lucky enough to go to Palm Beach, Corumbin and play for the Gold Coast Titans from 20. 2008 to 2020. Um, during that time, did my undergrad at Griffith University, um, which then transitioned into me going to Canberra, which was a two-year deal, which turned into one. Um, then moved back home during the whole COVID period where we ran into each other a couple of times in camp and then um, signed with the Broncos the following year and then finished up my career um, at the Broncos last year and um, had that last game for the All-Stars at the start of this year, then went straight into finishing my MBA, finished that about six weeks ago. Now I'm in that weird limbo where it's like what do i do <laughs> the grind doesn't stop how good was palmy why'd you go to why'd you go to pbc um so a big part of it was my brother actually went there so we all went to tweed river we had a pretty good football team at that school um and a lot of my mates ended up going there and he was like one of the first juniors to sign with the titans so um titans didn't want me at the time um, and <laughs> they then, all come crawling back yeah. and then um yeah i ended up signing with the titans a couple of years later so my brother went there and then it's just a good school, um, which instills great values. Um, yeah. You went to PBC. Um, I went there and, you know, watched my brother train and, you know, go sitting in the car park, you're watching people that have gone on to play NRL, um, hundreds, three, four, five hundred games, you know, in, that, in his team. And then we were lucky enough to win the comp the next year. We Did had you win the Aussie, the Aussie comp? Yeah, yeah. So our team, um, there's still Cody Walker still playing today. Yeah. Um, I think our harsh pairing was Cody Walker and Jordan Rankin, and Jordan Rankin played NRL that year. So yeah, just retired as well. Just retired. Yeah, yeah. he's a he's a great bloke. You would have him at Parramatta. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so we had a really good team that year. We won, and it's just a school that instills you know good values. So it made us, you know, if we weren't doing well at school, we went we went playing footy. I remember, I remember like coming into Palmy and what I liked, my mum taught at Palmy like years and years ago. So she knew Pato, she knew Jeff Bagnell, Bags, Bags, our, uh, Bags, our um, school coach. He was my school coach. He was 
when he first came in, when my mum was there, it was like his first year. So he would always like leave like cones and like um, tackle bags, like everything out on the field. And mum's like, who is this bloke? But the coolest thing, obviously like very cool thing about the school is like it's on the beach. Oh. Like you get to train as a subject. Yeah. Then you get to go and do the recovery on the beach, which is wild. And the, the cool thing is along with that, but the crew that have gone through there, like obviously yourself, like Kevin Proctor, Jordy Rankin, and even like, like surfers as well, yeah. like Joel Parkinson, McFanning, Fisher. And like the, another cool, another cool thing is like everyone sort of, I don't know what it was like. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on what it was like when you were there. But when we were there, it was like the AFL boys had their groups, footy boys had their groups, surfers had their groups, but everyone had like their own, whether it's dancing, whether it's academic, whether it's music. Was it the same for you? Yeah, it was pretty much the same. So there's the footy boys, AFL boys. But um, when we did PE and stuff, like, Everyone was together. Yeah. Um, we had Casey Dumont, who ended up being, I think, the Matildas goalkeeper mm -hmm. for a while. And you go and you watch all these people's careers fall, you know, fall into place for them. And there was a couple of boys in the AFL that went to play for the Suns. I've never Sick. watched AFL. And, yeah. um, you know, for those reasons, you got those connections at school and you end up watching, you know, these different sports because you make these connections mm -hmm. at a great school. So, and shout out the PBC. Yeah, shout Reds. out. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then when you finished up footy, you were 18 straight into first preseason at the Titans? Yeah, so it was one of my goals because um, – so Rankin played first grade when, 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 when you were 11. Wild. So um, I was like, okay, I really want to play first grade, you know, at 18 years old. Don't know why that was a goal. Yeah. <laughs> but it just was. And um, I was lucky enough the, the following year after I finished uh, high school at PBC uh, – was lucky enough to push out four games that year. Um, the Titans did really well that year. I think they were one game off the GF, but um, going into a side with like your Scott Princes, Luke yeah. Bailey's, Minicello's, like oh, LaFranchi's, Matt mm. Rogers, like yeah. there was just such a good core group of those guys at the start, which I think led the platform for that club to make, you know, them really, or Preston Campbell, really recognised yeah. in the community. Um, you know, they had that community support and it was great to be part of, you know, I grew up in Tweed Ed, so it was great to come and, be part of a team where I grew up. But that's pretty, that's still young. Like obviously Rank's a freak and he's, mm. you know, yeah. 16, which is wild. But even 18 is so young to be, like there's only a handful of people that are debuting before they're 20, right? Yeah, I think it's like a rule now. So yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'm like we were in Australian schoolboys camp um, in year 11 when yeah. Rankin got called into Australia, uh, co-play NRL. And we thought that he was taking a piss. Yeah. And he just left the camp and then the whole Australian schoolboys squad went and watched and, you know, a lot of those boys went on to play first grade. It would have been maybe 80% of that team. Yeah. And we're just going, how good is this? Like, it's there within reach and there's mm. someone already doing it. So, no, it was, it's just a, um, amazing to see, you know, those people's lives and careers roll out and you're still, you know, big parts of them. Did you think that footy was always going to be a thing for you growing up? Like, were you always that kid that was probably talented than everyone else? Did you always think, like, I'm going to play footy or was it like that would be a dream? I think it was from when I was about 15. Um, we went down for like a New South Wales tryout and I was um, I was playing for like Northern, I think it was, and I thought I'd cooked it. I was yeah. just like, no. I like, remember crying to my dad just going, <laughs> yeah. I had a sh like a shitty game and I was playing back row at the time and they, you know, you sit down and they named a team and um, it was I was just sitting there and they named a team and they named the two back rowers. One of them, I can't remember who they were, but one of them was Sam Savile. Mm. You both know who Savile is. Yeah, Sam. And I was just like, yep, that's it, I'm done. And then they named me at lock, so I was like, oh, how good's this? So then, like, my dad looked at me, he's like, I told you. I was like, yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, they went to name the player at the carnival, and then I got that. I was like, well, maybe I am good enough, because yeah. I think I hadn't, I hadn't signed with a club at that time. And then we'd reached out to the Titans before that because they had signed my brother, but um, I ended up signing with Melbourne Storm after that, mm. so... 
didn't I think I was there for a year and a bit and then yeah when, uh, once I had the opportunity to stay home I took that with both hands. 100%. My mummy's boy. <laughs> yeah, and then she, now she's still living with you, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to fast track to when the conversations around being captain yep. came around. How old were you then? Still pretty young, right? I might have been like 24. So I was when um, I think Nate Miles, Greg Bird, I think they were co-captains at the time. And it was around origin time. So um, it was just one of those ones where I think, you know, Birdie, was, Birdie and Nate were both in origin. Mm. And I think Will Zimmerman was like the next step in. And then I think Zilly might have had a bit of an injury. So I remember Nate just, I think, I can't remember, I think it was Neil Henry at the time. He's like, well, who do we put as captain? And Nate's just like, yeah, just Chuck Dark and we trust him. Yeah. Like, oh, sweet. And Birdie was the same. And then, um, yeah, it was just one of those things where it was like an ad lid a couple of times while the boys were away. And then I think it was a year, maybe two after that, you know, I officially got the um, club captain. So I think the year after it went to Will Zillman and Nathan Friend. Nathan Friend came back from a stint from New Zealand. And then, yeah, just like, you know, a couple of times during that career. So I actually got, you know, slowly p part of like, I guess you, what are they called? Leadership groups. Leadership and then, groups, yeah. you know, I was just lucky that I was probably part of an arrow squad for seven years before that anyway, which yeah. is a lot when you think about it in hindsight. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I slowly got eased into it. But, um, you know, once you got the captaincy and you got the whole goal case sitting on your shoulders, <laughs> looking at you, looking to run the team. And yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of pressure, but like, I look back now and go, holy, sh like, wow, like, yeah. you don't realise, but, like, I think I'm just a pretty cruisy bloke and I like to rely on a lot of the people around me and I know my strengths and weaknesses and yeah. I, my strengths are using the people around me to get the best outcome. What changed, like, from a practical point of view when you go from just playing to now you're looking after a team, you've got, like, the goal, whole of Gold Coast looking at you, you know what I mean? Like, what changed from a practical point of view? Um, it was just... I always like this thought that like I had good leaders around me, so I just tried to make sure I just took good things from you know great people, like people that probably wouldn't think that you know were the highest caliber. I remember like Luke Douglas. I used to watch how professional he was, like such a good bloke, like Luke Bailey, Scott Prince, Preston Campbell, all just really good people. So mm. you just kind of get these good traits of these good people around you, and you just try and form them into you know, your best form of yourself. And um, that's all you can really do. Just try to carry yourself to the best of your ability. But you need to play consistent footy yeah. as a captain and play good every week. And, you know, sometimes if you have a bad week and you're just like, wow, like, I know I've probably got another couple of shots, but um, you can't throw too many bad games together. So um, I was lucky that I had a pretty consistent part where, you know, take away a few injuries. Um, I stretched a couple of good years together, which was, which was good for myself, but yeah. Um, for ACLs um, doesn't help. Do you um? Did you ever think like, like rewinding back to having like those bad couple games? Do you ever think like maybe they will take the captaincy off you? Is that ever like a thought process? It might not be, but is it ever a thought thought process? I don't think it was at the time, but um, you know, it's just one of those things where if if it's there next to your name, like you have to perform. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure, and like you don't think about it at the time. But I was just like, I had a lot of things happening outside of footy. I, I studied my whole um, career, mm. so I had places where I could switch off and then, you know, think about other things because, you know, football can consume you, as you know. Um, it can just take over your whole life. But lucky I've got great family, great wife, um, some kids, uh, two kids that came through probably, I think it was 2016. Mm. Um, I had Carter, so I didn't have Carter, but uh, <laughs> 2016, um, yeah, and then, you know, everything, like whole change of perspective, you're looking after, yeah. you know, other people that mean more to the world than you do. Yeah, I do. I do want to touch on family and I do want to touch on study. But the biggest thing that like I found when I came to the Titans, like, I think I came to the Titans at 2017, yep. I think it was, um, just after you killed it in 2016. 
Um, but the biggest thing, and I like, obviously you came to all the Reds games, like always, like you, Kevy, Jordy, like all the old Palmy boys would always come to the Reds games. So we'd always see you guys there. But then coming into the Gold Coast, it's like you guys were just so welcoming. Like I felt so welcome coming in there. I felt like between yourself, like Borgs, Anthony Don, um, Carl Lawton was there, like Kane LG. Like we had such a, like you talked about having good people around. We had such a good crew, hey. Yeah, and I think um, I probably felt like different time frames as well. Like I remember when I came in the NRL, um, you kind of had to earn the respect of everyone, but um, it's kind of transitioned a lot over time. Like some of our youngest players now are like our greatest players. Like last year I was at the Bronx mm. and Paddy Carrigan, like genuine leader. Like God, I watch yeah. him, watch him every week and watch how he carries himself and I just go, wow, like this kid's only like young 20s. And you yeah. look at like Payne Haas and the kid's like, this one like five He's honestly going to be the best front rower that ever played a game. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. But, like, some of these young kids now have just got the confidence and they're just starting to just form themselves into great people. So I think that started from about 2017 where everyone was just respecting everyone. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter if you're the oldest person in the squad, youngest, but um, still, like, a little bit of respect thing. You had to earn your stripes a little bit. But, like, yeah, it changed a lot over my time. And I think, yeah, it was just like a just a transition in society, really. Like, yeah. social media is everything. and. Yeah. It's just one of those things, I can't actually put my finger on it, but it's just one of those things everyone is just accepting. I, I talked to an old 20s coach about um, Paddy and a few of the young leaders that were coming through, like Jai Arrow was our, he was our captain when we were in 20s. And then it was me and then it was Paddy. And then I was like, why did you pick Paddy as a captain? He's like, man, it was just a natural leader. Like obviously worked really hard. Mm. Like I think you have to, but he just had instant respect from all the boys, like all the older boys, even coming into Grady, like you know, Corey Parker, Josh McGuire, Jordy Kahu, you know, Alex Glenn, all those older guys who were the same thing, like great crew, like great people. But he just order it automatically had their respect. Yeah, like when you see people work hard, you know that they're trying to do something right. Yeah. Um, and then you see the kids that like might miss a rep or something like that and you just sort of keep your eye on them. You're like, well, are you really trying your best to be here? But like as I reflect back on last year, like – I've never seen a front rower like Payne Hass and Paddy just win everything. Yeah. It was like unbelievable. I, I was lucky enough. Even in training? Even in training. Like I was lucky enough to play with Luke Bailey, who I thought was the fittest front rower to ever play the game. Yeah. Like first down there, kick chase, play 80 minutes. And Payne Hass is doing that. And like 115 to 20 kilos, Paddy's doing exactly. Like Paddy could play 80 minutes in origin if you asked That's him to. So what, mate, Payne. So could Payne. Payne came. So we were doing NRL preseason. And I think I might have been like 18 or 19. First or second year. He came in for a session as a 16-year-old. Probably weighed 125 kilos. And he was leading the forward pack back then. Yeah, I was like, I was like, because you know when these young kids come through, I was like, this is going to be a shock to the system. Oh. With like me and Moosey, Josh McGuire, like he was smashing it. Yeah, he's a freak. I don't know. Like, yeah, as I said before, like those two, like that young forward pack that they got up there, yeah. is going to carry them over the next, you know, five to ten years. It's cool. Um, I know we were talking at dinner last night um, with like earning the respect and, yeah. and Moe in the in the oh. gym. <laughs> can you tell? Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Because I fucking love hearing that. Oh yeah, young Moe for Waker. So I might have been. I was a captain of the Titans. He come onto the Titans on like a training trial. So yeah. like a kid that. Um, you know, and I played with his brother who sadly passed, and um, he come through the Kiba system, and. Um, yeah, you know how you play King of the Ring, you wrestle each other the last Kind of like a shark bait. Yeah, shark bait kind of thing. And I used to think I was pretty red hot at wrestling. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was me and him at the end. I was like, I'm going to wrestle this kid. Yeah, I think he might have been 17 at the time. So young. And he doesn't, like, he's a very quiet kid. Um, Super humble. Humble, respectful, works hard, trains hard. I knew he was going to be a leader. Um, and then, like, 
we wrestled for about five minutes and then he absolutely reassailed me. And <laughs> then the, everyone, everyone just was cheering for him. And here I am, captain of the club, getting sprayed by everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after he probably signed a five-year deal, so he probably owes me 10% of his contract. Can we take some commission, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Can you take some commission? Mate, fast forward to, I think it was, oh, what season was it? Third third ACL when we were, yep. when we were at Real the Titans. Work, yep. um, I want to I wanna explore, because obviously talk about mental health and sport podcasts. Yeah, yeah. And when I think of you, like obviously like known each other for how many years now. And I look at the process of what you went through then, um, which is pretty, I remember the day, like, yeah. and, and you can probably touch on a little bit. I was doing a recovery run on the sideline at Seabass. And mate, I'll let you tell the story because you like, you went through the line and oh, yeah. the big front row, but, but like, can you please like explain the story, but then also what were the, like what were the thought process? Like what were you thinking about like afterwards? Oh during yeah. That, Probably like yeah, genuinely one of the hardest parts of my career. Like, really? Yeah. Um, so I'd done my ACL the year before. Um, I think I was eight and a half months in. We are coming into a trial match. And the week before, we just did like, you know, a team versus team thing. Yeah, um, yeah it was eight and a half months. Um, first ACL on my right knee. So you can play at nine months. So I was two weeks off playing. Um, hopped in the 13 v 13. Was getting used to it, getting used to the tackles. And then you know, all of a sudden I make a break. Never made a break in my whole life. <laughs> like, <laughs> Scored plenty of tries. Yeah, but Never like made a break from like our 10. And then I got to the um, JC, John Campbell was a fullback. Um, just everything that could have went wrong went wrong at the time. So he tackled me from the side like before it. So Phil Sammy put, I know it was AJ Brimson pushed up on the inside. I should have just passed to him. He would have scored. Mm. Um, didn't have confidence probably in myself to turn and pass at the time. Just went to take the tackle as I took it, as JC tackled me. He just rolled around the back and kind of landed on the back of my leg. So that didn't do it. But as I hit the ground, like, um, he just, the body weight of him, I just stuck. And then I just felt a pop and I was like, surely not. And I remember it was just like dead silent. Like the training just stopped and everyone just stopped. And I was like, no. And that was like, so I was playing for a contract. So next, like that, off contract next I was year. Off, off contract the following year. And I was just like, well, that was my one shot to, you know, get back and try and play footy again because that was it was my third ACL and I knew straight away that I did it and then because my knee swelled up pretty quickly um the ACL test didn't really show it mm. and then yeah once I got the scan I was devastated I remember Anthony Frankie took me um and then yeah I just cried the whole way home and Buffa I was just like Buffa can I just retire now like mm. is there a job here at the club and then he kind of talked me into it and um just said let's just get some surgery, do some rehab. But he said, let's just have some time off and yeah. just think about yourself, your family and what you want to do. And then, yeah, I was just like, just, I don't know. I was kicking stones for about two weeks to tell you the truth. And then, um, yeah, I got over myself. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then, um, yeah, but it was a, like a tough, dark two weeks. Like, you know, it was like my, one of my best contracts. So I was on good money at the club and, um, you know, not to be able to prove that I could play footy again to get another contract mm. and, you start to doubt yourself and um, it's just one of those things where you're just going like why now but everything I don't like to think everything happens for a reason but everything happens for a reason and yeah. you know I went and got surgery and just um you know worked my way back and I was so grateful um at the end of the year Raiders gave us a two-year deal down there so mm. um yeah I got to continue my footy career it was um like I remember I remember it so vividly like you telling that story I get goosebumps because I remember being on the field and like it obviously because like you're loved by everyone in the team like obviously captain and I know you're really humble but just watching that it was so so like incredibly sad but you've, you've at that stage you would played 10 seasons in the NRL 
which is huge. Like, and I'm trying to relate it back to imagine how many players and people have gone through similar situations. Do you ever just think like, no, nah, I'm happy with having a 10 year career and oh. walking away? Or is it like, nah, this is not how I want it to end? Yeah, well, the only reason I decided to play again was like, like so you drove out of my place this morning. Yeah. As you're driving out um, Benogan Road, you can see the stadium. Yeah. And Carter was like, Dad, there's your footy stadium. No, <laughs> I man. Don't, I don't want to cry. <laughs> you joking? And I was just like, oh, no. And I started crying in the car. I was like, all right, let's do it. For for little Carter? Yeah, for Carter. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Mate, you've got the best family. How um how much? <laughs> I, I knew we were going to be teared up. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. you, um, mate. How like just touching on family? How how important are them to you? Like continuing your football career and even like post post study. Like are they oh. huge, right? Yeah, like sorry, still crying. Um, yeah, they're super important. I love having my family around me. That's what my family's always done. They've been around each other. Mum's family still lives all together up on the farm. Mum was with me. Yeah. Uh, you were at my place last night. Mum and dad live behind. Brother works out the shed behind. Um, they're your toughest critics, but they're the ones that keep you grounded. So yeah. I'm super grateful that I've got such a good family. Like my brother's got really good football knowledge. Um, Tim, the one he's like 14 months older than me, yeah. I think. And and my oldest brother, Brad, dad, they all played football. They, they all, get it. They yeah. know how I play. And I was just grateful to have them around constantly. So um, mum, I can hear, I used to be able to hear mum at home games in the stands like my, every, my <laughs> mum and dad would sit next to your parents during the games like <laughs> so every, vocal. everyone could hear my mum and dad would try and shush her up but um <laughs> yeah i was just like yeah i was just so grateful i had a great supporting family and anna like i've been with anna since um year eight i mm. think and um yeah now we've got two beautiful kids and um yeah just like i've just got a really good support network and good um good close-knit friends but you, you like you you talk about having a close-knit like friend network but you give so much love to your mates and your teammates. Like I remember when, even when like Carl Lawton, when he left, like he's obviously like one of my best mates. Um, and when he left, he got up in front of the team and told the boy, like told the Titans boys that he was moving on. And then like I look over to the <laughs> side of you and you're just full tears just because you care. And the yeah. same thing happened with Elge and like, yeah. it's just, I, don't know how we <laughs> I just like to think I care. No. You, mate, you, like, I don't know. You've just got so much love. For the boys. Oh, not for the boys, but for everyone. Yeah, anyone that played with me would know I'm a crier. So, yeah. um, like, every time someone debuted and their parents would give them a jersey, like, because I know the feeling. Mm. And I was just like, well, you get to live your childhood dream out. And, like, they're just the best moments. They're the moments that um, football clubs probably don't realise are so important. Like, when a kid gets a jersey mm. off his parents to play the game that he's wanted to play for so long. Yeah. Like, you've worked your whole life for this. And like, yeah, I just remember just watching my mates get their jerseys, even if they were like milestone jerseys. Yeah, like, yeah. Everyone would always look at me because I'd just be crying <laughs> in the corner. And I'd be like, well, I'm just super happy for him because I know what it takes to get there. And everyone has to do the exact same thing to get to the spot in yeah. an NRL. Like less than 1% of people play NRL. So, um, yeah, I just like, you know, I just it's not, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not like, it's not the getting the jersey it's like the last 10 years 15 years of like working your ass off trying to get there oh 100% and like you're with them in the whole preseason, so you know when they're ready mm. and then just to see you know how excited people are to get a jersey I did the same in Canberra boys didn't, down there probably didn't know I was a crier and then <laughs> um, when I got my jersey to play football again like I tried to say something because um Ricky Stewart they take you up to a, it's like a big dining place. It looks over Hall of Canberra. So I think there's maybe two or three of us debuting that day. Mm. And the day before, like after captain's run, they take everyone out for lunch if someone's debuting or got a milestone. 
and they bring in an old Raider and it was so it was awesome and then an old Raider gave me my jersey and I tried to say something and I just cried the whole time yeah and it was just like now everyone knows my crier but um it's just like it's good to show your emotion it means that you care yeah. 100% but just on top of that you like gone almost two years yeah without, without a, playing it was a long time and yeah super grateful for that club like um give us an opportunity to go down there it was like one of the proudest moments I remember chucking on the jersey and um, scored in my first got a game. Bit pie, yeah, got a little pie, yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was all worth it. Yeah. And then after Raiders, you went to Bronx for a couple of years. Run me run me through that and why they wanted you there specifically. Yeah, so I signed two years at the Raiders, and then COVID happened. So we only lived in Canberra for about eight months, and then everyone moved back to. I was lucky enough that we got moved to Gold Coast. So. Mm. Um, COVID was just like a whole weird thing during NRL. We had like Wild. six teams, was it? Staying with us at um, we Carrara. Car- yeah. And um, I was just like out heaps of teams in different places. I'm glad we were in the same bubble because yeah. we would always bring in the sashimi and we, yeah, <laughs> we'd be having good fish yeah. from we Tasman's. Had, yeah, from Tasman Star. Shout out Tasman Star. Yeah, shout out. Um, yeah, we were just, um, just living and like everyone brought their families in and um, you get to see how other teams work, how other coaches work. But um, once the family was home and how comfortable they were, um, I had to sit down with Stick and just ask, like, hey, is it okay if I stay home? Because Anna's pretty happy here. We're back at home on the Gold Coast. Mm. We just enrolled Carter back at Mudjabar Creek because it was his first year of school and all the kids missed so much school that year. Yeah. There was no, you know, there was no educators in the bubble. It was pretty hard. Like, yeah. um, a lot of those kids, you know, would have missed three, four months of school. Um, but, yeah, we were just comfortable to stay home. And then um, asked... Nash Dawson, Dawson to reach out to um, one of the greats, one of the greats, um, to uh, Kevy. So went up and had a meeting with Kevy, and um, yeah, he pretty much, you know, wanted us to come there in a bit of a leadership role, and you know, they had a young squad to try and just help guide them on and off the field. And obviously, I was at the back end of my career, and I wasn't going to be out there beating the world down. But um, you know, one of the greatest clubs I've ever like, they're probably there hands down. Like they're a great club. They look after their players. They know how to run the business, and I'm super grateful I, I finished my career there because they um, even you know I still work in the Beyond Broncos program now. Where I work with the Year Nine to Twelve um, Indigenous girls. They're in 55 schools, so it's they're so making cool. impact off the field, on the field, and just to see where they ended up this year was was so good, and like just super grateful that I got to be at that club. But you got to be a part of it, and you contributed to it. Like <clears throat> they brought in a bunch of old heads, like yourself, old heads. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mate. Um, uh, Reynolds, yeah. Kurt Capewell, um, having because they are a young side, and it's cool. I talked about this on Paddy's podcast. Like the young core group of guys that we played twenty with coming through and now playing together. I think it's like seven or eight of them. Yeah. But having like those older, more mature players who have been in leadership positions, like yourself, like that's going to go such a long way, and probably contributed to why they got into the grand final, why they had so much success this year. Yeah, I was the reason they're there. No. <laughs> There's nah, a clip. Um, yeah, um, no, nah, like, yeah. Like, obviously, Adam Reynolds, was a, he's your halfback. He's yeah. a little fella that steers the ship around. And I think he's a year older than me. And then Capes is the same. He's premiership winner. But, like, yeah. mine was a totally different story. Like, I'd been a captain of the club. And I'd like to think I was probably well-respected, like, by my peers. And um, just there to kind of help guide and, you know, give some guidance to the younger fellas. And they were just really willing to learn. Like, they're all great young kids kids and they're, they're kids like mm. they're legit yeah, kids yeah, like yeah, some yeah. like Selwyn Cobo his actual kid <laughs> yeah like in last year I think he was maybe 19 and I was just like got to spend a lot of time with him he was next to me in my locker and um, a lot of time with him in the car and just get to know these people off the field and just help them you know with life like I like to think that I've you know done pretty good outside of football and um, yeah just 
tell them that you know football doesn't last forever um, as me and you know like we both had that injury because of you I started my MBA um, we started doing a couple of different things together and um, it was just one of those things where if you have good people around um, you know, good things tend to happen so um, I was just there you know I think I might have played 15 odd games you know I was so grateful to go up there and play for the Broncos but I, I knew my job off the field was like just to be around the boys make them you know better players and I remember telling Kevy I was like I think I broke this finger, so um, it was like at the end of the season. And um, even like with the Bronx, so I was like, they played me against the Titans. It was going to be one of my, I think one of my last home games. Mm. And like they did everything that they could to get my family there. So and then cool. they, they did the same um, up there, like just bring everyone along. Just like could be a last game. Like I wasn't going to announce my retirement. I was yeah. just going to slide out the back door and hopefully they let me, but they just didn't do it. Yeah. It was, um, but that's the thing. Like you've always, you've always done these little things. Like even if the boys are buying houses, you're looking at the real estate. Like talking about certain investments. Like going to talk to the the guys that you lean on. Like you always, mate. It's so cool because you always pass that down, and you're so generous with your time. Like I remember when I bought a place in Corumbin, you're like, oh, I got so much furniture, just come grab it. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah. Like, 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 like random little things. Like, or even last night, you're like, I got, a, I got the pool house. Just stay in the pool house whenever you need it. Yeah. Well. I just like the if I've got it and it's there, everyone can have it. Like nothing's ever mine, and everything's everyone's. Like is, yeah, if you're my mate, like I'm is, happy to help anyone. Is that part? Do you reckon that's from like your your background, like your indigenous background, or even just like your family? Yeah, I think just like I guess as yeah, like I see how my mum's family grow up, and they still literally so um, they got a farm at the back of Cruel, and everything's just been up there. Like Christmases when we were young, mm -hmm. but like all the aunties and uncles are still up there, and. I think if you see it when you're younger, you just tend to do it when you're older. Yeah. And um, even now, like at my place, like everyone's at my place at the mm. moment. So um, I just like having people around and family around because you can only around for so long. Mm. Um, and there's nothing better than having, you know, mum and dad around. The kids can run up and see them. And yeah. I remember when we used to go to my grandparents, it was the best, but it's great having mum and dad so close. And, um, you know, they raised me forever. So why not? Do the, do the same in return. <laughs> yeah, Matt, I think good things happen to good th people. A question I wanted to ask was if you were going to, like, it, it ties into passing on, I guess, like, traits to younger players, to family members or whatever. But if you are going to create a program or if you are going to create a presentation to new, current, transitioning NRL players or even athletes, what are the top three things that you would like to talk about? Well, transitioning's hard. So yeah, I'm still in that stage. Like, I was so lucky that um, I had uni mm. um so i was i went straight into doing my mba so i was very lucky um i kind of retired at a good time so we had our retirement fund mm. um and then i think a month before that we got our covid payback yeah so i was just like wow like it's a good time to me to put my head in the books and finish my mba and um so i managed to do that and then that finished about six weeks ago and, and you're still in this limbo you no one knows what they're going to do after footy like yeah even though I, I've got a couple of different businesses outside of footy, um, you still don't know what you want to do. Yeah. Like it's still tough. It's so tough. And like, I'm so grateful at the moment I get to drop my kids to school every day and, you know, pick them up most days and be around them. Cause you don't realize as a footballer, you don't actually get to spend much time with your family. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just yeah. like, especially at the Titans, like, um, it's, it's not, it's not the Broncos where you play every Friday night. Yeah, Saturday, like, Sunday, yeah. Monday. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday, you're probably traveling three or four times a week. Like, yeah. and you're out like, but yeah, I was just wanted to do a little bit of family time you know, finish some stuff for myself and now I'm like kind of in that limbo. I'm like, okay, do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And it's like, you can prepare, you can prepare for it as much as you want, but you know, once it finishes, you're still kind of, 
you know, you, you'd know, like it's a routine, like football, you get told what to do, where mm. to be, everyone books your flights, you rock up the train, you've got towers, they feed you, yeah. and then you step outside. I was lucky uni, like you go to class, you yeah. do this, you do that, so you're still in a routine, and then once you lose the routine, you get a bit of time, you're twiddling your hands, you, you don't know what to do. But you were the most prepared out of everyone, like did a, like you did the business, you were, we were going through our MBA together, but you were always like switched on in terms of like investments, like networking, like you, you're so good at bringing people together. You probably are the perfect example of like, from the outside looking in, looking like you have it all together. Like you oh, know, yeah. beautiful house, beautiful family. Like from the outside looking in, looks like you've got it all together. But I'm sure it would be pretty, still a wild transition out. Oh, it's still so hard. So yeah, um, we own Biscuit Whole Foods, me and Greg Bird and um, Selassie Birdie, mm. a couple of footballers. And then we also own a furniture defit company, Project Net Zero. So Birdie had that up for a while. We defit all the big banks. But these are things that um, you need to find, I guess, what you're passionate in. Yeah. And um, it's just like, we are talking about you last night, like you want to go back and study and um, it's just like you just need to find your why again because a lot of when you play football, your why is to you know win a comp. Yeah. You want to you want to be the best teammate, um, and then when you're transitioning out of it, um, yeah, you just need to sort of sit down and figure out your why again. So, I think yeah, there's probably something in the NRL having you know good psychs, good you know transition coaches, um, because yeah, it's such a tough time and you lose your identity. Your identity is you know Ryan James the footballer. I've been a footballer since 2009 once I signed with the Titans. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I'm Ryan James, the dad, and yeah, yeah that's you're, it. you're not just Ryan James, the footy player, <laughs> you're Ryan James, you know, the student, yeah, you know, yeah. like you're multiple, like business owner. Um, and I want to touch on, um, Biscuit Whole Foods and yep. what, what you're doing later on, but do you have any, I guess, like you talked about passion and like finding your passion. That's like really great and like really great to say, but do you have, like, I remember someone, if someone said to me when I was 23, two years old just go out and find your passion i was like well i have no idea how to do that oh, like, yeah. do i just try certain things like do you have any tips for like crew that are going through or players that are going through yeah and i definitely just try like i remember um i was never going back to study and then we both you had the obviously the first head knocks yeah. and i had my knee and um you just mentioned let's do our mba so i was like oh all right let's do our mba yeah. and then we dove into that but um just trying everything and then um, you know, once I finished NRL, I had a job lined up with KPMG, did six months there. And, you know, and that was a good gig, right? That was a good gig, but it, I got, I worked in the Indigenous services. I have a great passion to help First Nations Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, through football, I got to see a lot of how, you know, First Nation Australia lived and, you know, that's still my passion today. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, at the moment, I'm really working towards, um, you know, I, finished my MBA at Bond. I pitched them, you know, a First Nations Futures Hub at Bond, which, you know, they've employed us to do. I still work so with the cool. Beyond Broncos program, but I really want to help. My kids did a, um, an early learning program here with Cowan, early learning, right. and they're such a good program, which I think should be Australia-wide, so. What do they do? Um, they just take in all the Indigenous kids around the coast, um, and they just give them one day of free daycare, but they, some of these kids are going from like carers and being around family and not being in daycare and then going to school already behind. Whereas mm. this program gets them up to speed, makes sure they interact with kids from, you know, different, uh, not backgrounds, but like different economic backgrounds. So like, yeah. um, and then getting them ready before school. So then when they get to school, like they're ready. They've already, you know, interacted with different kids. They're not just going from auntie and uncle and nan straight into school and yeah. they don't need all the carers throughout. So if they're looking after people, like if we're looking after our young people early, yeah. Um, it's helping them transition. Then the economic effect is um, unbelievable. Not only that, it's taking stress off the family just for one day. Like people don't realize 
you know, stress just for one day off your back can just help you so much mentally. I remember you were talking about when I think it was Brookie or, or Carter going through it and he said that he was so much more prepared. Did they did they have ties with their culture like going yeah. through? Yeah. yeah, so they just make sure they're very culturally strong themselves. And it was when we moved to Canberra, so it was a year before Carter started school. We had him enrolled at Mudgebar Creek, but mm. then I signed with the Raiders. So he went down to a new environment, new school, knew no one. And then like he excelled and yeah. I was just like so grateful that he was part of that program. And I was just like, well, um, I was lucky enough. I think it was in 2020, I was able to find them funding to mm. open another one up at Coomera. And now we're just kind of in talks with them, you know, obviously we've been trying to start this foundation for a while, but um, we want to try and do something with Cowan where we can open them up, a lot of them up in South East Queensland. Cause I've, I've seen the effects it's had on my kids and I know that I can continue that in the future. How, how important is it for, cause I, I don't know, how important is it for young, I guess, indigenous kids coming through to be attached to their culture? And it could, I remember talking to Corbin Baxter a couple, couple of weeks ago, she's an Australian NRLW player, played for Australia, played for Maldives. Um, and she, but she didn't really have a tie to, to her culture. Um, it wasn't until the, I think the All-Stars, one of the All-Stars game, um, if, I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. But yeah, she, and she loved it so much because obviously her, her parent, that's her parents' background. Um, but when she was in with all the other girls, they would bring, you know, the culture dinners in, the dancing, the songs. And she said, it just felt like, felt like home. Yeah. Like, how it, important is it? It's so good. And it fills your cup. So I was so grateful I got to play a lot of Indigenous All-Stars game and they pulled us back for one last game at the start of this year. And I was just like, how good is this? Like, yeah. I get to play with some of the best players in the game. And not only that, you get to be around with your people. And it was the first game over in New Zealand. So, yeah. um, you know, just being, you know, I was so lucky that I knew I was Indigenous grew up and whereas a lot of people wouldn't have that um, knowledge. Like, some people's grandparents weren't allowed to say yeah. they're Indigenous. Like, mum wasn't recognised as a person until she was I, seven years old. I remember you saying, like, in 1960-something, yeah. seven. That they weren't recognised as a person. That's when they were first recognised as people. Before that, they were flora and fauna. So you're just like, you're scratching your head and you're going, well, that's a long time ago. I'm like, no, that's my mum. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, and then the, the kick-on effect happens. But, um, you know, just being, you know, strong within yourself, knowing where you're from. And that's why another reason I love having my mum around because she yeah. can tell my kids stories. Uh, just stories and how she grew up. And, um, you know, my kids probably don't realise how lucky they have it at the moment. But, um, you know, society is definitely changing. And it's... um. I look back to the All-Stars game this week. It was so good going over to New Zealand. Yeah. Like, we went into camp and we did, I think we did three days um, down in Sydney. And you're just around your people. Mm. Um, and it's just the best. And we did, all, we learned all the dances. We had the dance crew come in. And then we went to New Zealand. And it's a whole nother level They've over there. They've got it dialed in, hey? It is, honestly, it was refreshing to see how much they love their culture and how well they do it over there. And it was just like, I didn't leave there deflated. I left there with a sense of like, how good is it, would it be if Australia got to this one day? Because it was amazing to see how well respected everyone is over there and how much they just embrace their culture over there. And I was just like, wow, this is like, like yeah, not deflating, but it was just like, wow, that's hopefully we can strive for this in Australia one day. What, what can we do? I want to say, I said, what, what can we do? What can I do? Like as a male Caucasian, like, like guy, like what can we do to help get there? Cause we like, is there anything we can do? No, it's just ask questions. If you don't know something, there's no silly questions cause yeah. it wasn't taught when we were at school. So yeah. just one of those things where if it's not taught, how do you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just one of the things that you don't know what you don't know. And it's just one of the things like you're a very curious person and you've always asked me questions mm. and I try to answer it to the best of my ability. If I don't know, I'll ask, you know, one of my elders and, yeah. um, and then I'll try and pass it on to you. But yeah, just 
asking questions. There's no silly questions because yeah. our past is our past, but um, we're all moving forward together. It's so cool, and I love the initiatives like the the All Stars. Like when like because Preston started the all, like the Indigenous yeah. All Stars, right? Is that going to be? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that one of your favourite initiatives, like Indigenous oh, initiatives? And one of the best things I've ever been part of. So really? my first time I watched it was in twenty. 2009 or 10 i think it yeah. was um and yeah i watched it from the stands as like a 17 year old and then the next year i got to play in it and i got to play off like without that like i never played origin never played for australia played like in country and promises setting but i got to play with some of the best players in the game like so jt cool. gi justin hodges Will, like wheelchair birdie like there's so many great players i played with over my time and like thank you to that game and presto like I've played with some of the best players ever to play the game and pull on a jersey because without that, like, you're versing them. But, like, to be with them for, like, seven to ten days and be part of that um, as a young kid and then be the, the other end of it at the start of this year was just, like, it was a good way to go out. It's so cool to see the way the game has changed because of, like, one man. Like, like, oh. pre like Preston kicked all that off. And then you look at the flow on effect from yourself, guys like Cody Walks, Latrell Mitchell. Like, mm. And I know that you're big on being a good person. And I think like these guys are so influential. Like I, that's why man, that's the whole reason for this podcast is like guys who are in very like influential positions, like they have the ability to change the narrative of the conversation that's happening in whatever it is. For this, it's mental health. Oh, 100%. And yeah, mental health is such a big part of like today's society. And I look at someone like Latrell who does so much for his community. Yeah. And then the media so quick to try and bring him down. Like yeah. they're just so lucky he's like a strong person. Really? Otherwise, like I remember like one time we had to go to the NRL because I think it was like 120 articles have been published about he just won two comps at I think at Roosters. Yeah. And he was like, what, like one of the best players in the game. Yeah. And I think there was like five good articles about him. Little, little alone all the good stuff that he's doing in the community, everything he's doing for everyone else. He's going back home and doing all this stuff. You don't see that stuff. You don't see it because you never, like, like you don't feel like you have to go out there and post and brag about it because that's just what he's always done. And, like, the media are so quick to bring him down and, like, they're just so lucky he's, like, pretty strong in himself mm. and he just pushed through it. Like, he shouldn't have to do that. Mm. Like, he's doing so much good and I just, like, sometimes I feel so sorry for him. Like, I just go, well... There's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can give back and still people try to make him the victim. Like, I, it just annoys me sometimes how, you know, mental health is like, it's truly, it's a thing that I've seen evolve since when I started playing footy to now. And just to see how much negative media there is about him and people having to come out and fight for him. Whereas we shouldn't have to do that. We know he's a good person. We know he's doing so much to help his people, but people's trills still try to find a way to bring him down. It just pisses me off. It's like that Australian, like, tall poppy syndrome, hey? Like, you were, like yeah, people will help you get to the top, but then once you're at the top, they're so quick to pull you down, right? Yeah, it's, it is annoying, but, um, you know, you know, shout out to Trell, Trell Mitt. Trell Mitt. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he's a good bloke doing good things. And same as Cody. I played with Cody in Palm Beach, and, you know, he had a different journey. He... Took a while to play first grade, but now he's one of the best players in the game. Mm. So, you know, that's another thing of resilience and, you know, showing kids it doesn't, you can't, if you don't crack it the first time, you don't crack it. But he stuck at it and now, mm. well, he carried New South Wales to that win. Yeah. Like literally yeah. carried them. Yeah. So yeah. it's so cool. And it's like, it's cool, like what you just said before. It's like, you might, like, you don't have to debut at 18, like, a, like oh, some no. of the crew, yeah. even 20, like, 
grinding it out and like just working hard and like consistency is what I found. Like if I knew what I knew now, I would have done things so, so different like coming into the Oh game. yeah, like you look at the Don. The Don. Don come up here, he was a school teacher. He was Anthony teaching Don, it yeah. and like, shout out the Don. Um, he was teaching at I think Burley school and he started signed up for Burley and played cup. I think he scored like yeah. 30 tries or something stupid. Got a train trial at the Titans. I remember someone said like, He's the Caucasian Greg Inglis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, call, we'll call him that for a while. Really? And then um, he come on, he had a couple of trial games and got a, a start um, and then went on to be the Titans' top try scorer. I think he David at like 25. Wild. It's 26 or something. Yeah. He still works at the club, um, still a good mate. And it's just one of those things where, you know, don't get discouraged too early. Like mm. he went and did his degree, became a school teacher. I think he did it down at Newey and then moved up, was teaching. And then all of a sudden he's playing on a rail. He's like, he's the best. He's a really great example of like having a plan B and like having something yeah. away from footy. I know you're, I know you're big on that. Even like when I was coming through, man, I tried like so many things when I was playing footy. Like even when, you know, when I think you were at Hoppy's car wash and then <laughs> I was at um, the cranes, like a part of the initiative that one of our coaches rolled out was like um, to go out and work for a week and get on the tools. And there was some boys like. like Pizzi was a Bricky's laborer. <laughs> Nathan Peets was a brickish labourer, was doing it tough. Oh. And then Brimo, he was working for Tripodil in an aircon office. Yeah. Like, and then I was on like Surf City Cranes, just going around like doing sales and like getting on cranes, which was easy. I remember we came around to the Hobbies car wash to get some of the, <laughs> to get some of the cars washed. Yeah, it was me and my train were at Hobbies car wash. But I remember like we'd rock up the train and later in the RV and Pete's, would just be there. <laughs> so angry, eh? like, And like, I look at Pete's and he really kept me grounded through like, a lot of, like he was my bad cop really um, like because i like to try and you know make everyone they're you know, pretty happy and keep everything like but he was always the guy that people like respected he trained hard yeah. he did everything that he had to do but he'd just tell people how it was yeah and he wasn't afraid to do it and you need those people um he, oh, he was a good person for me to lean on because he was always my bad cop yeah he was he's probably like one of the most competitive guys that i've ever seen oh easily like you'd see him at train and like and he'd always try and come back early from injury and stuff. He was just like a super, like he'd be the first person to call you in the off season and say, let's start training. hundred percent. And like, he'd always get a crew together and like, he's like, man, I'll have a week off. Yeah. And then like, he's just like one of those guys. He was just like a competitor. Might not, like he was definitely not the most skillful person, but I remember when um, he played for New South Wales, he deserved that. Like yeah. people work so hard to, you know, get to that level. Um, and when he did, I was like, no, I cried. I was like, <laughs> I watched him run and I cried. I was Again. like, how good is this? Yeah, yeah, like you so get to cool. see your mate like achieve it, like he's dreaming. Yeah, this is the best. It's so like, I love, I love, you got like, that's what I mean. Like you got so much love for the boys <laughs> and like even like genuinely having love for people who are doing good things. Yeah, yeah. No, like, yeah. It's just good to see people achieve what they want to achieve. Um, mate, I think before, before we wrap things up, um, I kind of want to do a full circle. We talked about your family and we talked about your kids. We touched on it last night at dinner um, about the values yeah, that, yeah. You, that you that you that you want to instill in your kids, and you t you you'd say something to your to Brookie and Carter every time they leave for school. Do you mind, yeah, do you mind just, touching yeah. on that? No, yeah, it's something that I don't know. Didn't realize I did, but like always, just try to tell me, like, be nice to your friends, look after each other, be nice to the teachers, be kind to everyone around you, and you just tell them I love you. Mm. Like I always tell my kids I love them, tell them I'm proud of them. Even sometimes when they're being little shits, you just yeah. get to, you know, try and talk to them calmly and um, just try and raise them the best. Like, that's another thing. You need to try and be a good parent. Yeah. And it's hard when, um, you know, you're playing football and, you know, I like to try to think I'd read and listen to podcasts enough to try and do these things, but you still got to live it out and yeah. do it and be present. 
and sometimes you find yourself you know going wayward but um you know you just always got to remind them like they're doing you know doing good they're kids they're learning yeah um and you've seen the kids of mine like they're running feral running wild it was like, so funny last <laughs> night when Car- when Carla, when one of your young boys came in and he's yeah. like dad can i go play on the trampoline and he's like yeah 10 more minutes he runs outside <laughs> and then anna your partner was just like what are you doing go back inside and you're like i'm, I'm so sorry mate i love you <laughs> it was yeah my fault. He wanted to run next door, which is a good 300 meters away and jump on the trampoline. But yeah, no, it's just one of those things where, you know, you try to do things together and do the best for the kids. And, um, you know, they're everything that you care about now. And that's why when they got my parents around, um, you know, dad worked, always worked hard. And um, I look like my dad's my hero. Like yeah. he instilled good values in me. He worked hard, looked after us as a family. Mum always looked after us, took us everywhere for football, me and my brother and anyone else that wanted to hop on board. Yeah. Um, always the first people to do that. And I think, you know, watching mum and dad, you know, look after us and then really care for us and care for everyone around them um, kind of makes you want to do the same, I reckon. Mate, what are, you, um, what are you excited about going forward in the next couple of months, couple of years? What's, what are you looking forward to? Um, what's coming up? What's coming up? So, yeah, i got a couple of different things. Obviously started with, um, you know, Bond doing the first uh, Futures Hub there and, you know, figuring out how that's going to look and with the foundation, um, really want to try and get some of more of those daycares out there. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just trying to be present with the kids as well because also, like, when I grew up, my dad was, like, a coach for a lot of my career and he coached my brother and I'd play up and dad was a coach and... So I was around dad a lot and they're the times like you remember and you don't really think about it as a kid, but then I was just so lucky that, you know, I had great people caring for me and mm-hmm. I just want to be there for my kids. So if my kids want to play footy next year, they haven't just, they haven't played footy yet. Yeah. Like one does gymnastics, um, AFL, soccer, they've done everything except for play football, yeah. which you scratch your head out and you go, I mean, you've watched me play, yeah, like, yeah. why don't you play footy? But um. Yeah, now they, I think if they want to play, I think we have Mudjabar Redbacks are our local mm. club. So if they want to play, I'll go down there and coach and um, just be present there and, yeah, just try and be the best father you can be and then, you know, work on all the different businesses outside and um, hopefully just, um, yeah, look after everyone around me. How do you go – I was going to wrap it up, but how do you go balancing family and work now? Because I, like, I thought that, I don't know, when playing footy that we were busy. No, I thought like, but in, re- in reality, we almost had like every second day off. Yeah. And then I don't know, for me going, coming out of footy, it's like, yeah, you're working a nine to five, eight to four, whatever it is. You want to get your training in. So you mm. either go to train before and after. If you want to study, you got to study outside of that and then throw in family, throw in a partner and throw in a couple kids. Like, how do you go with the balance? Oh, so when I retired, I went straight into full-time study. So I took on three subjects at Bond. Yeah. Um, Which is huge, Went right? into part-time work. And then I wanted to be there for school pickups and drop-offs. And I also signed on the train and play for Tweed Seagulls. Um, I ended up doing my ACL again, which is probably like looking back now, which was like, a like I go, wow, thank God I did that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had time to do it all because mm. I was trying to study, trying to work, trying to train and, you know, still be part of like a team environment because you lose that sense of being around people and being in a team. Like that's the biggest, I reckon, downfall, like – you're part of a team for so long and then you go to this different environment and you're like, what it like this is this is not what I'm used to. I'm used to just talking absolute shit yeah. to people like my mates. And um, you know, you just can't do that in normal day life. Like we're so privileged as football players to live the life that we do. But um yeah, it's just it's super hard. There's mm. no other way to put it. It's it's hard. There's no one telling you what to do, what routine to do. Whereas the football players, we're babied. Yeah. We're actually babied. With everything like, done, hang. Everything done for us. Like meals packed, 
clothes, everything. People like at Bronx, they wash your clothes, wash your towels. Yeah, their own pillow, their own bed. Beds. In, in the, they got a cool facility though. Everything. They do their best to look after the players up there, which is why they are so mm. good now. Like you can see it transitioning onto the field, but then yeah, you transition into life after footy and you've kind of, you got to put yourself in your own routine and um, like in the CBA, you need like four weeks in advance of what you're going to do. So you know what yeah. you're doing for the next four to eight weeks. Whereas in real life, you have no idea what you're doing in the next four to eight weeks and you just got to figure it out. I wonder, like, I, I always wonder if like being, being babied and like having everything done for us helps us or if it hel- if it hurts us. Like the conversations that I've had with some wellbeing managers more lately with my role at Wattability, it was more like, yeah, we, we, we have to book flights because, you know, if someone doesn't book a flight, like they're going to miss the, miss the game, you know what I mean? But all those little things about lunches and, you know, external things like having your university application helped pay, like all, yeah. like all like the little things, like the minute things. It's like, I wonder if that actually, yes, it would help in the moment, but I wonder if that helps us afterwards. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it, yeah, enables us. You know what or, I mean? Yeah, yeah like, I know what I mean. Like, because yeah, like, yeah, I've had my hand held through all those applications and I yeah. think back now, you yeah, go, well, like, People helped me apply for uni, helped me do everything, yeah. really. Like when I went up to Bronx, I took my own towel, took my own lunch, yep. and I got there. They're like, What are you doing? Yeah. Like <laughs> got your, your towel's here. Yeah. They, we provide lunch upstairs. Like, yeah. And then it's just like another layer of, you know, them looking after their players. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you have to, I guess I probably grew up a little bit and I had the family. And, yeah. um, but I couldn't imagine, like, I guess finishing maybe at your age f- through injury, not through your own choice. Mm. And then stepping out, you know, into the big wide world where everything's kind of already been done for you. But you're you're lucky. I watch. Uh, we're good friends, and I've watched how you've transitioned, and you've always tried your best and um, excelled in whatever you've done. Like without you, I wouldn't have started my MBA. Like you probably don't know realize the impact that you have on people because you're just a good person trying to help people as well. Like the podcasters out here trying to you know bring down the stigma on mental health, and now you're talking about doing further study. And mm. I was just like, bro. How can I help you? Let's let's do it. Like, <laughs> let's meet some people and let's make it happen because like it is like a thing that just is it's overlooked yeah. and it's a big part of society nowadays. And I think you're doing a great job. Thank you, bro. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that. And I think like we are doing a good job. And I think that as a as a community in the NRL, I think we're making small steps. Do I think we have a long way to go? A hundred percent. Like I talk about. I think we we're talking about this last night. Like the the professional sporting teams over in the you know states and in the uk like they've got two or three club psychologists traveling around with the team full time yeah and i talk about this all the time and i was like well where's that in the nrl and in the afl like there's no one yeah we can lean on i guess coaches and we can lean on well-being managers um friends and family but i was like imagine having someone who had like played professional sport and had that like psychology background or having an understanding of it all even just mindset like guys like uh, Hugh and Kylenberg or even Ben Crow or even like these guys like having those guys around would be so vulnerable like be so valuable sorry and I was like well I would have made so many less mistakes if I had someone like that yeah, so that's why I want to oh, go down it you know? 100% and also like I've had both those guys and Ben Crow was at the Bronx last year and I'm pretty sure he's there this year yeah. and like I think we only I might have done four sessions with him but then like the leaders like yeah like they talked to Patty and ran on that pretty regularly yeah. um, you can see the impact it has yeah. like no wonder they're playing the grand final this year. Like yeah. you have these people looking after you as a person, like take football out of it. What's yeah. your why? And there's some of these things you don't really, you know, think are important, but then you reflect on it and you go, like, I'm doing this because I actually need to be here. And yeah. it's just one of those things where I was so lucky. I think I had Ben Crow 
would have been maybe 2016, maybe 15. I and I always have this marketing fund where players would go down, and I was lucky enough to sit through one of his things then. And then yeah. you know I had him at the Bronx last year, and then um, even just those handful of sessions, and to realise the people he's worked with, and people like, and then yeah, it'd be great to see the NRL like they do a lot. So mm. with the current guys in the RLPA doing a great job trying to bring in. All these things look after the players. So shout out to like Tommy Simons, Great. Clint Newton, doing such a good job to try and look after the players and look after them. They're ex-players. They know what it's like to retire and yeah. walk into nothing and you know not really know where they're heading. So they've got the right people there. And now it's just building on different CBAs, building yeah. different layers. And I think that's definitely one of them. Like having a player that's lived through it, you know, if you want to go do a cycle, like I'd hire you in a heartbeat. Like, cause you've lived the experience, you know what it's like to do it. And it's just one of those things, if you know it's gonna create great outcomes and you wanna win the comp, yeah. put these people in your club. Well, it's like, if you're happy, you're gonna be playing better footy. A hundred percent. If you're happy outside of football, you're gonna be so much happier on the football field. And I remember like, when I was younger, you see some of these players have great years and then you, you look outside and you think why, and they're mm. just, they're just happy. Happy. And then, <laughs> and then in reverse to that, when guys, you know, are going through family issues, they might be going through drug and alcohol problems or mm. like whatever it is, it's affecting their footy. Like it's so hand in hand. Oh, and you would see a million examples of that. Yeah. And then like, you know, being a captain of a team where you have to look after people with it going through all different situations, you can see the ones that are playing good because they've got a bit of routine. They know how their life's going outside of football. They're not worried about other things. So if you're not worried about other things, obviously the thing that you're focusing on is going to be better. So, mm. um, you know, I think in America, it's a lot different to our sport. Like you look at the NFL, like they can get rid of a kicker in a day. So yeah. I, I'd hate to see, you know, what some of those guys, you know, mental health's like. But here you kind of, you've locked into contracts here. Mm. You might get tapped on the shoulder and say yeah. goodbye. I remember PT always used to like <laughs> look over his shoulder. Like, hey, what Don't touch doing? my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things where if you've got someone there in and around the boys that are well-respected, and then can genuinely go and talk to you. Like all the wellbeing people are doing such great jobs and yeah. education people. Um, and they can only do so much because like, I, I'm assuming they have a psych degree. It's like probably a four or five year degree and mm. then you have to probably go practice. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where you build it up over time where you're, you're learning all these things and then you can implement these things on the players. And if you're getting results, like if you want your club to be the best club, <coughs> let's do it. I think that'll be, that'll be the shift when like, players not players sorry when teams start investing in that stuff yeah. and then they see the return on it well you look at Ben Crow on the Bronx yeah exactly like perfect example but you when you Collywood AFL for yeah, example you're talking about that last night can you tell the boy I touch I touch on it a fair bit in the pod Jackie Lauder like one of the one of the greatest sports psychologists that I know of <laughs> I'm sure but like she's she's honestly the greatest I did I went to Melbourne a couple months or maybe a month ago um catching up with a lot of mates catching up with a lot of athletes and her name popped up like four or five times. I was like, who is this? Who is this Jackie Lauder? And she's essentially like essentially a sports psychologist. She has her own clinic. She's full time with the Collywood AFL team. And she has been for the last couple of years. And she is so, so incredible. Like I remember I, I got on the phone with her cause I wanted to ask her about how to navigate, you know, the psychology degree with, with sport and everything like that. 
And um, and she knows like everything about a play when they come on board, you know, whether they have any learning learning difficulties, their family life, their home life, do they have ADHD, do they have bipolar, whatever it is. And so having an understanding of them coming through, she can help navigate the conversations with coaches, with well-being, she can help with study. Um, the players are on call, like can call her whenever, their players' families can call her. When they've got that relationship. And she's at the point now where, um, I think I was like when I was telling you last night, the players are pushing for her to be on the sideline while they're playing games. So which so is good. which is wild. Like yeah. yeah, like I don't get me wrong, like um clinical psychology is great. Um and it's something that I want to dive into, but also that performance psychology, that positive psychology, being in the right mind frame. How do we get into that mind frame where we're consistent throughout? So if someone's having a bad game in the AFL, they can, and obviously they've got interchange, more free interchange in the NRL, but they can run off, like talk to Jackie if they want to. And then like, okay, well, what did we work on last week? I don't know what she's talking about. Yeah. But, but, but then, but then come back on and like they won the grand final. Like they just, like Hollywood just won the AFL grand final. And it's like, when we start seeing those case studies yeah. and those examples, then that's when we're going to see the shift. A hundred percent. And like, I've never had Wayne Bennett as a coach, but I remember when we went into COVID camp, um, here on the Gold Coast and to see how he treated his players. So what, what was there, six teams there? Yeah. And, um, you know, when the families rocked up, um, this, like, is something that just sticks in my mind. I remember, like, everyone just wanted to see their families and mm. just, you know, hug their kids and do this and that. But Stick took us to our families. So we got to see him at the other hotel. So he did a thing for us where we got to go see them in private. Yeah. But I remember I watched the Souths, um, I like observing people. <laughs> um, people watching. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you hear all these stories about Wayne Bennett, but he put like a whole show, not a show, but like he booked the dining hall, which was as soon as you walked in, um, the dining hall was there. He booked that for all the families. So it shows you how much he cares. Yeah. And it, I don't know, he probably did it deliberately. I don't know. But um, like it just, like it proved to everyone else that it showed that he cared about his, his players yeah. because he put this on for them. Hey, we're all back together. I don't know what he said or what he did in there, mm. but I'm pretty sure they had a real good year that year. And that you can see why the players play for him because yeah. like you watch like him do those little things that, you know, probably no one else thought about. And I just watched him do that. I was going, wow, no wonder like you see all the players go out there and play for him. It's people first. It's that's 100%. It. That's I think like the, my favorite coaches have always been people first. Yeah, that's it. Rod Patterson. Go. I don't go. <laughs> Brother, um, mate, we're well and truly over an hour, I think. <laughs> we, we flew through that, mate. Thank you. Thanks for like jumping on and telling your story. Thank you for being vulnerable about your um, injuries, about everything. Sorry for crying. Mate, no, don't, mate, don't ever apologize for that, mate. I just, that, thank you for everything. Like, thank you for all the time of the Titans, um, time of the NBA, mate. You're a role model to not only me, but to everyone who's coming through. Um, so many NRL players, mate. I've got a lot of love for you, so thank you so much for jumping on. Cheers, bro. Thanks for having us.